We're going to read from God's Word, John chapter 11, and we're reading from verse 28. If you have your Bible there, turn to the place, John chapter 11 and verse 28. And we'll read down to verse 37. John chapter 11, verse 28, reading, of course, from the authorized version. For those online, the words will come up on the screen. But as we've encouraged you in the past, get a copy of the Bible and read it for yourself. And just mentioning copies of the Bible, if you would like a free Bible, then please feel free to contact us and we'll uh, assist you. John chapter 11, verse 28. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 37. And we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text this evening is found in John 11 verse 35. And my subject is entitled Learning Lessons or Learning from the Sobs of the Saviour. Now, John 11.35 is better known as the shortest verse in the Bible. Two words, even the children know that. I wonder, children, if you know the longest verse in the Bible. It is 90 words. I'll tell you where it is. It's found in Esther chapter 8, verse 9. And of course, the longest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. The longest chapter is Psalm 119 and all 176 verses. And I remember, of course, a young man belonging to the church, memorizing all 176 verses and reciting them here and also reciting them in Ballymagari Gospel Hall. But this evening, I just want to focus on two words. Now, I read these words last Sabbath evening in the uh, Seton home as we went along with Brother Lawrence to pay our sympathies in the death of Zara Smith. The Reverend Fred Greenfield also preached on them at the graveside on Tuesday past uh, during the interment. And I was thinking of these two words, Jesus wept. Now, I believe tonight 
that this is one of the most deepest and profoundest verses in all of the scripture. You see, we're told here who wept. Think of the word Jesus. Who is he? He's God incarnate. What did he do? He wept. That word wept means he sobbed, hence the title, learning from the sobs of the Savior. It wasn't just a gentle tear trickling down the cheek. This was a real sob from the heart. Where did he do it? Outside the town of Bethany in the land of Israel, near the home of Martha and Mary. Why? Because their brother had died. And their brother called Lazarus was Jesus' friend. And he would have been buried now by the time Christ had got there. He'd been dead four days. You see, I believe these two words really give us an insight into something of the personal work of Christ. These two words reveal something of his compassion. Something of his conduct at that time. Something of his character. Something of his comfort and conquest. Why are these two words in the Bible? Well, remember, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We have a God-breathed book. Every word is God-breathed. I believe tonight in verbal and plenary inspiration, word for word. Inspiration, full and complete inspiration. Every word is pure. Every word is from the mouth and breath of God, even the jots and the tittles in the Hebrew. And the very structure of the Greek, the grammar, the very context and setting of the words, I believe they've all been superintended by the Spirit of God. And I want to tell you tonight, young people, there's a profound unity to this book. It was written over 1,500 years. 40 different authors, different backgrounds, lived centuries apart, men who never met from different stations in life. And yet what a wonderful unity pervades this book. When you think of its theology, when you think of its history, when you think of those references to science, when you think about its um, uh, prophetic aspect, even when you think about it practically, there's a profound unity. And only God, the Holy Ghost, could have produced such a book. I think of the words of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. Remember what uh, Peter actually tells us about the book. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. This is what he says. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And the Apostle John, when he wrote his Gospel of John in AD 90, wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he was led of the Holy Spirit to write these two words down. Jesus wept. So what we're going to do tonight, or going to try to do, is I want you to learn some things from the sobs of the Savior. And the first thing we learn as we try to listen into the, that sobbing Savior, we learn that this is a display of the compassion of Christ. You see, I believe when John wrote, Jesus wept, that the Lord Jesus wept to display his compassion 
for two sisters in the death of their brother. Now that may seem obvious, but it's good to state the obvious. There's three times whenever the Lord Jesus wept in the New Testament. He wept over the city of Jerusalem. He wept again in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he wept at the home, or outside the home, or at the grave of his friend Lazarus. And these tears that he shed were a display of Christ's great compassion. I want you to think with me tonight of a young couple who have got married. And uh, they've left one job in a particular state in the United States of America. They've moved to a new state and they've set up home. And this young couple, uh, they have got new jobs apiece. They're very excited and they're very happy and things are going well for a time. Then um, the, the husband's job got terminated. He was laid off. And then the wife's job was terminated and laid off. And of course, you, you could understand how they felt. The wife felt a sense of anger and bitterness toward the Lord. She believed that they had left the former state, left their former job in the will of God. And now they had no real income coming in. Now they had no funds to provide for themselves and their family. And they were finding it difficult to get other work. This is in the middle of a recession in the States. So they turned to a godly pastor for help. He prayed with them. He read the scriptures. And he sought to counsel them. He told them that God, remember, was in control of their difficult situation. And he had many lessons for them to learn at this part of the journey. And that he loved them. And that he cared for them. And that he understood them and knew their need. And he wanted them to turn to him. And to trust him. And to talk to him about their situation. For he understood their need. Now the husband was teachable. The psalmist said, teach me. And that's a good prayer. But the wife was not so much of a teachable spirit. She was very bitter. She was very angry. She said to the pastor, well God has let us down. I wonder if you ever felt God has let us down? Have you thought that? Have you said that? Sadly, this wife was so bitter and anger that she would not let it go in blaming God. And she left her new husband. And she went back home to her family. And of course the husband was devastated. Now, sadly, that woman is a bad example of how God's people should handle trials. I would say tonight, I would counsel, don't respond like that poor woman did. Yes, I know there's a big trial for these two sisters, Martha and Mary, in the death of a loved one. And I know it's a big trial in the death of a loved one tonight. I feel that. And I know it's a big trial in the loss of a job. And I know it's a big trial when other things happen. But there's two options when the trial comes. We can respond in anger. We can withdraw from the Lord. We can quit church. We can turn our back on him. Or we can draw near and be submissive and talk to the Lord and tell him honestly how we feel, even to the point of crying, even to the point of shedding tears. Let there be tears of grief, tears of disappointment, Tears of hurt, tears of confusion, tears of bitterness. Let the tears flow in the presence of God. 
Because I want to tell you tonight, that is exactly what Martha and Mary did whenever the Lord Jesus eventually came to Bethany after the death of their brother. You see, Martha heard the Lord Jesus coming, <laughs> and she went out to meet him. She questioned him. Look at chapter 11, verse 21. She says, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. Now think of that. Mary stayed in the house. Martha eventually, when she returned, told her, the master has come and calleth for you. Now what did Mary say? Or what did she do? She didn't say, well, look, I'm too angry to talk to him right now. Where was he four days ago? Where was he five days ago when, when news was sent out that Lazarus was sick? No, she did what we should do. She went to him. She fell at his feet. And she fell at his feet weeping. And he didn't rebuke her. He didn't scold her. We read as a response. Jesus wept. Look with me at John 11, verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. I want you to understand tonight something that's simple but very profound, and it's this. The Lord Jesus is the compassionate Christ. And he's especially compassionate in our trials. And his tears were a display of his compassion. And I'll draw near to him, turn to him, talk to him, trust him. He comes near to us, and he displays a most intimate wonderful compassion because as we weep he weeps with us someone has rightly said we learn the most in the school of christ in the midst of our trials not in the midst of triumph you see in the trials we hurt whether it's a big trial in the death of a loved one or loss of job or um, sickness or whatever calamity comes into the family or the life of the country in the trial, we're tested. In the trial, there's pain and darkness. There's things that we don't understand. The secret things of the Lord belong unto the Lord. But when we're hurting in the trial, we're tended to, to be self-sufficient. We say to ourselves, well, it's okay. I can cope. I can do this or that. But the reality is we can't. We can't do it without his help. Remember he said, John 15 and 5, without me, ye can do nothing. Can we cope when a big trial comes? The answer is no. But the amazing thing is this. Now listen to me carefully. I believe the Lord Jesus tailors that compassion, as he displayed it in this occasion, to each sister individually. You see, what was Martha? Martha was the go-getter. She was the busy bee. She was the worker. She met Christ and told him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. What did he say to her? Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? In other words, 
When she met Christ and said that, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died, he gave her a lesson on the solid doctrine of the resurrection from the dead. He taught her, I'm the resurrection and the life. And that's what she needed to hear. But Mary, her sister, who was different, remember she sat at Jesus' feet, she was a a thinker. She was a, a waiter in the Lord. And he dealt with her differently because he dealt with her not doctrinally but devotionally. He didn't rebuke her. He didn't scold her whenever she said, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. There wasn't a word. Read it there. Not a word. It says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, you've got to see the big tears rolling down her face. Can you see them now? And the Jews also weeping which came with her. The Bible says he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And what do we read? Jesus wept. You see, to Martha he showed compassion in doctrinal words. But to Mary he showed compassion in a display of weeping. Isn't it great to know tonight this is not a one size fits all? Hallelujah. Here's two sisters asking, if only... If only you'd been here, Lord. And if that only syndrome, of course, in the midst of our trials is difficult because we're thinking in our head, well, if I hadn't have done this and if I hadn't been there and if I hadn't said that and if only I'd made that phone call in time or if only I'd been in church. But remember, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Here's a display of the compassion of Christ. There's another lesson that we learn, and it's this. It's a display of the character of Christ. What does it say in the text? Two words. Even Joel could get up here and quote them. Jesus wept. But think of this. Who is Jesus? Brother Alan brought out five points this morning from a passage of Scripture in Acts 21 in the Sabbath school. Underline the word Jesus in your head, at least if not literally in the Bible. Remember, he's one who is truly and fully God. He's God incarnate. And yet he's one who is truly and fully man. He's God in the flesh. And oh, that we could recognize who Jesus is and something of the profoundness of that would break in upon us. Because we're getting a little glimpse, I believe, in these two words. Of the character of Christ. We're seeing his true humanity. And he's a wonderful, sensitive, sympathizing, sorrowful savior tonight. What does he do? He just asks the location of the tomb. Where have you laid him? And then we read Jesus wept. You see, he weeps in the midst of our trials. He weeps in the midst of our human problems, in the midst of our weakness. In the midst of our frailty Remember what the psalmist said And sometimes Whenever we're singing Psalm 103 We only sing the first seven verses But there's so many other verses there That we could sing Listen to these words in verse 13 Psalm 103 Like as a father pitieth his children So the Lord pitieth them that fear him For he knoweth our frame He remembereth 
that we are dust. Is the Lord Jesus not called in the Bible, Isaiah 53 and verse 3, a man of sorrows? Are we not told that he's acquainted with grief? See, when the Lord Jesus wept those big sobbing tears, he was expressing great grief. The word wept, as I've said, means he sobbed. As they would say in Bush Mills, he was greeting his heart out. He was really crying. And they were strong tears that were flowing. And in that moment, Christ was expressing that his grief was real. You see, he knows our grief. And he enters into our experiences. And he himself is deeply moved and troubled because he felt for the sister's grief at that time. And he wasn't ashamed to weep in the presence of others. He wasn't ashamed to display such feeling. Some people have asked, well, why didn't he restrain his tears? Was the tears not a sign of weakness? Was it not a sign of frustration with the sisters and with the Jews? And we'll get on to that. I believe that the Lord Jesus was displaying something of his character, that he was truly human, and that he was entering into how humans feel in the midst of big trials. And of course, at the back of it was an amazing expression of great love, because all his actions was done, underscored and underlined by love. The Lord Jesus loved Lazarus, and Lazarus loved the Lord Jesus. It wasn't an intellectual type of love. It wasn't saying, I love you, Lord, from the teeth out. It wasn't just words. It was an exceptional and experimental kind of love. And even these Jews said, and think of the tears, behold how he loved them. He not only expressed great grief, but he experienced great grief. As I've said, Isaiah 53 and verse 3, He's called the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Do you know that at the very time of his birth, to the day of his death, he was familiar with grief? He was familiar with pain and suffering and sorrow and tears? Remember how Herod slew the children in Bethlehem after the news of the wise men came about the birth of Christ? All the children, two and under, were put to death. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16 gives us that information. Let me just read it to you. This is what the word of God says. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. And in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted, because they were not. Did the Lord Jesus not enter into the experience even of the death of Jairus' daughter at the age of 12 when she died in her bed? Did he not enter into the experience of death as he entered the city of Nain, or the little town of Nain, and his heart went out to a widow as she was following the coffin of her only son, and how he stopped it and raised that young man from the dead. 
Is the Lord Jesus not entering into the experience of death and grief whenever he wept strong tears at the grave of Lazarus? What about the tears over the city of Jerusalem? What about the tears in the garden, Hebrews 5 and 7? What about the tears of the woman on the very shadow of Calvary as he, he walked the road to the cross? Remember what he said to those women? Uh, Luke chapter 23 and verse 27. Let's hear the word of God again. He, he spoke to them. He, he had a special uh, word for those women. Uh, and this is what he said. Woman. And there followed him a great company of people and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. Verse 28, but Jesus turning unto them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. You see, there was tears at the start of his ministry. And down through the years of his ministry, until the end of that ministry, in a variety of situations and for a variety of reasons, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He experienced that grief. He experienced tears. And you see, this time when he stood and wept with Martha and Mary, he was weeping over a comrade. If you look at verse 33, it tells us there in John 11 something very uh, interesting. Let me explain it to you if I can in John eleven thirty-three, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. See, some commentators say that Christ was angry at this point. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled, that he was upset. He was mad and frustrated. He was mad and frustrated at the unbelief of Martha and Mary, that he was disappointed with them because of their question, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had need not died. And he's also angry and upset and frustrated at the religious leaders and the Jews who are with them to mourn because of the emptiness of their religion to meet the need of these two broken-hearted women. Some have even suggested that he's angry and upset and frustrated with the uh, response of the professional mourners who are paid to mourn because they were not sincere. And I don't believe a word of that. I believe the Lord Jesus, when it says... He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. I believe he felt and was affected with the strength of sin's depravity. Remember, death is a result of sin. Why is there death in the world? Because of sin. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When you think of the universality of sin, you've got to think of the universality of death. And the Lord Jesus was not only affected by the strength of sin's depravity, but he was affected and felt the strength of the sentence of death. The sting of death had come, and his friend Lazarus had physically died. He knew that Lazarus would rise again. He knew the trouble that would follow as a result of raising Lazarus from the dead. But you know what the scripture says? Weeping endureth for a season. But joy cometh in the morning. Psalm 30 and 5. It says in Isaiah 63 and 9. In all their affliction. He was afflicted. And his tears. His sobs. Are a revelation of his heart and soul. He was experiencing things. And the trials of life. That are beyond our understanding. 
things that we have no real answer for. Jesus knows. He fully understands. He's all wise. He's all knowing. And, and, and uh, he's ever loving. Isn't it good to have such a savior tonight? There's depths that we can't enter into. But he's already not only experienced them, but he expresses great grief in the midst of it. It's a revelation of what was going on in his heart. Do you know he's not blind to your tears tonight? The Lord Jesus records all our tears and puts them in a bottle, records them in a book. Did he not see thee? Abraham weep over the death of his wife Sarah when he buried her in Hebron? Did he not see David weep at the death of his son Absalom? Did he not see Mary weep at the death of her brother? He did. And he had his own troubles. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Here's what's going on in his heart. And yet despite that, he wept as they wept. He entered into their life situation. He felt their need. Let me give you another lesson very quickly. It's a display of the comfort of Christ. When you think of the tears of the Lord Jesus, you think of a tearful Christ tonight as he witnessed others weeping. You think of the sincerity of his tears. God incarnate in tears. Can you get that picture? That's what I came away with from the funeral service on Tuesday. Real, genuine, sincere tears. Hot, bitter tears. Sobs. Not like the mourners in the house of Jairus. Mark 5 and 38. Remember, they were professional mourners. They were weeping and howling and gowling. They had no real knowledge of Jairus' daughter or the family. They had no real sympathy, no real feeling, no empathy. It was all a show. How do I know it was all a show? Because in the midst of their lament, it turned to laughter. Because remember, he said, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. Mark, 8, Mark 5 and 38. See, the tears of Christ came from a sincere heart. He identifies with us. He feels for us. And his feelings are real and genuine. And if you're going through a time of sorrow and mourning right now, and, and you, you, you weep sometimes, the Lord Jesus is weeping too. Oh, you get a sight of the weeping Savior, the tearful Christ. And his tears are sincere. I want you to think of the sensitivity of Christ's tears. He knew the needs of Mary and Martha. He knew what they needed. He wanted them to see and know how much he loved their loved one. Verse 36, behold how he loved. And he's weeping with you tonight because of love. And he's weeping because of the power of sin in the lives of our loved ones. And he's weeping because of the, the power of the sentence of death that's over them. And, and he's weeping because of the power and influence of Satan in their lives. And I want to say tonight, Jesus loves you. And he came into the world for you. And he was born for you. And he, and he, he died for you. And he shed his blood that he might save you and called you to himself. You think tonight of the sympathy of Christ's tears. For Mary, there was no words. Isn't there a time when there's no words to be said? Just to be there. Just to stand and weep with those who are weeping. That's what the Bible says, weep with those who are weeping. 
Someone you love has been taken away in death, and there's heartache and sadness and brokenness. And yet, as a man of sorrows who enters into our life situation, feels for us in our weakness, and weeps with us as his people. Let me finish. There's not only a display of the compassion of Christ, and a display of the character of Christ, and a display of the comfort of Christ, but there's a display of the, the conquest of Christ. Jesus wept. Lazarus was dead. What was he weeping over? He's weeping over his dead friend, Lazarus. But he intended to raise him from the dead. Crying, weeping, although he knows he's going to raise him again from the dead. Because you see, the Lord Jesus is the conqueror of death. Verse 43. It says there, if you listen to these words, and when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You see, when the Lord Jesus is face to face with death, he's always triumphant. Death never triumphs over Christ. Christ always triumphs over death. Jairus' daughter, the widow of Nain, even Lazarus himself, four days in the tomb. A 12-year-old girl died in bed. A a, a boy in the coffin. A, A man in the tomb, four days. And yet, when he raised Lazarus from the dead... What was the context? There was a family reunion. There was a supper. Lazarus was there. Many had believed. There's praise. There's no tears. There's no sorrow now. There's joy and happiness in the presence of God. Weeping endures for a season. Joy comes in the morning. You see, it's a display of the conquest of Christ. It's a display of the conversion of the doubters. Verse 45, it says that many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed in him. Do you believe in him tonight? Do you believe he's the resurrection and the life? He's mighty to save. Martha was asked that question, believest thou this? He's the converter of doubters. And as we finish tonight, he's the comforter of the distressed. See, the Lord Jesus can stand among us and say this, As we finish, by his tears, I know how you feel. What are you facing tonight? Sickness, the death of a loved one, loss of a job, the wrath of a man. Let me tell you this wee story. Years ago in the 1940s, there's a man called Peter Marshall. He was married, he had one son, they also called him Peter. And he said to his wife this morning, that he had pains in his chest and he wasn't feeling well. He was a young man. I think he was about 45 or, or, or 50. And uh, she advised him to get the doctor. And he said no, he'd drive himself and uh, to take the little boy on to school. She got a phone call at 12 minutes past nine to say that her husband had died in the car on the road to the hospital or, or the medical center. Now that woman said for a number of years, she, now she was a believer, her husband was a wonderful Christian man, I believe he worked for the US government, some high up job, and she was full of anger, she was full of fear, depression, full of self-pity. Her mind was in such a state, she couldn't pray or talk about the Lord or come to church, and it was eating her up. And somebody said to her one time, 
May the Lord comfort you. And that word, that may the Lord comfort you, went into her head and she thought about it. What does the word comfort mean? It means to be fortified. It means to be strengthened. And she eventually discovered in the passage of time that she had to let go of her anger, her fear, her depression, her self-pity. And she had to turn to the Lord and trust in him and hand herself over to him and allow him to be the comforter of her heart and mind in her distress. That's what the Lord Jesus did with his tears. The conquest of Christ. Isn't he a wonderful saviour tonight? Aren't you glad you're saved and you know him? Can you go home rejoicing and say, I'm glad I'm saved and I know Christ this evening. If you don't know Christ, then we pray you'll discover this wonderful display of the sobbing Savior. And you'll learn these lessons, how compassionate he is. Something about his character as far as his humanity is concerned. Something of his comfort and something of his conquest. Because only he is able to defeat death and sin and hell and the grave and convert the soul and comfort the distressed. May the Lord take these few words and bless them to us this evening.